Hey, good morning, Hershey Free. I'm Dave Hyatt on the pastoral staff here in the area of missions and local outreach. Um, I want to show you a picture of a place very close. I used to live here. This is uh, the Fatih Sultan Mehmet Köprüsü, or the, the second bridge uh, in Istanbul, Turkey. And I used to live um, at the foot of this bridge, not under the bridge like a troll or anything, but at the, at the foot of this bridge on the European side. And I could see across to the Asian side because this is one of three bridges that span between Asia and Europe. Uh, you think of, of Europe and you think of a, um, I don't know, you think of old world kind of, you think of the Champs-Élysées or uh, Big Ben, not the quarterback, but the, uh, the tower or you think of uh, you think of these great European iconic places and old world culture, but you think of Asia and you think of a completely different area. You know, you think of maybe the Great Wall of China or the Taj Mahal or Mecca or the Himalaya Mountains, and they're, they're worlds apart. And yet, there's a, there spans like this, this, this bridge that you can get from one to the other. You can cross over from one to the other. And uh, just like this bridge, um, our lives can be, we've, we've talked about over the last several weeks, that our lives can be the bridges that help people cross, that understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. If you're, if you're a follower of Christ, that, that your life can help people see a world that's vastly different, even more different than uh, Asia and Europe are different from one another, but what it means to be a, a follower of Jesus. And uh, so we've, we've been talking about what it means to, to build bridges, and we've talked about that kind of in three Three ways, three turns, but it was uh, seeing, uh, then serving, and sharing. And I, I wanted to, to address something right up front. Uh, what we're going to talk about today and what we've been talking about over the, the last several weeks, it has nothing to do with, with marketing the church or um, growing our brand or our tribe. Um, this is not a uh, network marketing scheme to, to employ a whole bunch of people to get out there and, uh, and do some work for the church. No, what we're about is that we believe simply and plainly that God loves people. God loves human beings. He created us in his image, and he has set his affection on us, and he made this world perfect and beautiful and fantastically wonderful. And yet, we look around, that's not our experience, right? We look around, and we feel a sense of um, a brokenness. There's, uh, there's death, and there's famine, there's war, there's um, there are horrors, there are pornography and abortion. There are things that just break our heart as we see um, a broken, broken world. There's, and this is not how God created the world. But God, in, in his grace and his mercy, he built a bridge. He built the bridge in the person of, of Jesus Christ, his son, Jesus, who came and gave his life so that we could be reconciled to God, so we could have a friendship with God, so that, that people could, could once again experience that love and hope that they, that how the God made the world at the outset, and um, but our our role is building bridges so people can can understand that, can hear that, living lives that people uh, can come across the bridge of Jesus. So so that's this is not about marketing. This is um, what I've heard it likened to that, that when a Christian talks about their faith in Jesus and they share their faith in Jesus with other people, it's, it's more like uh, one beggar just telling another beggar where to find bread. It's not some power play, but it's just um, it's a humble uh, desire for other people to, to understand and believe the good news that we've, we've come to, to understand and believe because of God's kindness and grace. 
And so we said the first part, the first step in that is, is seeing people for us as those who follow Jesus Christ, to see people as they really are, to see, uh, not just to assume that other people in our lives, of course we see them, you know, the rods and cones in our eyes respond to their image, but do we, do we truly see them as more than just, uh, bit players in our, in our drama? They're just extras. We're making $19 million and they're making 100 bucks to stand there and hold a can of Coke. No, the other people, their stories are just as important. They're just as alive. They're, they're just as created in the image of God as we are. So we talked about what it means to truly see people. And we, um, we started off looking at a passage, if you'll recall, from, uh, from John 4. There's a magnificent uh, interaction that Jesus has with a Samaritan woman. And if you'll recall that uh, the Samaritans were a despised people by the Jewish people, and the Samaritans didn't like the Jews much either. In fact, um, the Samaritans, at one point in, in Israel's history, they threw human bones on Israel's altar so that it would be defiled and they couldn't worship God. Um, There's no love lost between these people. And Jesus interacted with a, with a particular Samaritan, a woman who had been married five times um, and was now living with a guy. And, and divorce and remarriage in, uh, in these times were not the same as now. It was not a no-fault thing. So she had been rejected five times and been sent away five times. But Jesus had this beautiful interaction with her. And she went off to, um, to her village to say, hey, let's, let's read, read this. It says, then, leaving her water jar... This woman went back to the town, to her hometown, and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Could this be the Messiah or the Savior of the world? Could this be the long-awaited Savior of the world? They came out of the town, and they made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples, Jesus' followers, the twelve disciples, urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could he have could someone have brought him food my food said jesus is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work don't you have a saying it is now 4 months until the harvest i tell you open your eyes and look at the fields they are ripe for harvest if if this wasn't sad it would be funny it is kind of funny but jesus disciples as you see back here they say his so envision this these uh, Samaritan people are pouring out of a village to come and hear the good news about Jesus Christ. They're coming to meet the, the Savior of the world. The, the gospel to this point had been confined largely to only to Israel, the Jesus' message and ministry. But here it's beginning to expand and so that the people of Samaria, Samaria were, were going to hear the good news about Jesus. And his disciples' response wasn't like, wow, we're going to get a chance to, uh, Jesus will heal them or he will preach to them, he will teach to them. It's like, are you hungry? Would you like a sandwich? Can I make you something? Uh, they can't even see that the Samaritans are part of God's plan. They can't even see these human beings as part of God's love and plan. So uh, Jesus says, I want you to lift open your eyes and look at the fields. They are white to harvest. I have plenty to eat. My, my, my food is to do my Father's will. And I'm, I'm full to overflowing because God is about to do a new work. Sometimes we can take and just not see the people around us as people that God, God loves, that God wants to have a relationship Jesus is trying to get his disciples to lift up their eyes and see this. Uh, I want to share a brief story with you. Today we're going to share three stories through video of, of people who've seen and served and shared. And this first one is a friend of mine, Laura Jean Watson. I want you to listen to her story with us today. Hi, I'm Laura Jean Watson. 
and this is one of my bridge building moments. Uh, I have been using a site called blesseveryhome.com since the beginning of the year, and I love it. It gives me 34 houses in my surrounding neighborhood to pray for, five of them a day. And a lot of these are people I don't even know. Uh, One of the neat things is I was recently working for the census, and they give me assigned homes to go to. And one of the homes that I went to, I recognized the names. These were people I was praying for. At the end of the interview, I, I told the young man, I've been praying for you through a prayer site that I use. He was so excited, and he he thanked me, and then he asked if he could shake my hand, and then he asked if he could shake my hand again, and he was just really excited to know that someone was praying for them. I don't know how God is going to use that, but I'm sure he will. So Laura Jean mentioned a website that she's been using called blesseveryhome.com. Now, that's uh, a website that I've been using as well to pray for my neighbors. Um, what it does is it identifies homes near you. It just looks up their names and, and houses, and it will send you an email every day, if you choose, um, with, with the names of your, your neighbors so that you can, you can begin to pray for them. And if you'll notice, whenever Laura Jean uh, interacted with this person, they weren't just a uh, number on a census form. They weren't just a name or an address, but they were a person. They were There was someone that she had been praying for and asking God to bless and care about. And so when they, when they met, there was, a, there was a depth of relationship that seeing them differently than she would have seen them if they were just a neighbor that was, that was on the street or just a number on a page. So um, seeing people as God sees them will then lead us, it changes our heart towards them, right? We begin to, to change how we view them. And, and I would say, as we've seen over the last couple of weeks, we begin to serve people. We naturally begin to serve people differently. Seeing leads to serving. And if you recall, a couple weeks ago, we um, looked at the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's one you're probably real familiar with. It's um, one of Jesus' most famous parables, and again, involves the Samaritan, um, who were, again, this, uh, people that were despised by the majority population there in Israel. Um, but this one makes the Samaritan the hero of the story. And so I want to read this for you, and then uh, we'll talk about it a little bit. So Jesus was asked about um, who, his, who was someone's neighbor. There was a, a religious guy who was trying to justify himself, trying to limit the number of people that he had to truly love. So um, if he only had to love his neighbors, then if he could make the circle of neighbors small, he could get off the hook about who he didn't really love. But Jesus replied to him this way. He says, In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes and they beat him and then they went away, leaving him there half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, which was another uh, religious official, when he came to the place, he saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled by, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. Now, each of these individuals saw this man, right? It wasn't as if uh, it, it, they, they didn't notice him or whatever, but they, they all saw him. Each of them um, saw him, but the, the final man who saw him saw him in a different way. It says he, he had pity on him. Now, they all could have felt pity, right? They all could have seen him, felt pity, said, oh, uh, I, I feel bad for that guy beaten up over there. But only one 
had pity on him, had compassion, and began to serve him. So as we looked at the, the second turn in this, so we go from seeing people, seeing them as they, as they truly are. But I believe that seeing if, uh, will lead us to serving people, to caring for them, to meeting their needs. Uh, the priest and the teacher, uh, they saw the beaten man, but they, didn't, uh, they never showed any compassion to him. They didn't serve him in any, any meaningful way. They may have offered up a quick prayer and just kept going their own way. But the Samaritan man, if you read the rest of the story, he came and he bandaged the man's wounds. He put him on his donkey, he took him to a hotel. He paid for his expenses. He basically took him to the ER, the closest thing they would have had to an emergency room, to look after him. And we have... Um, I'm, my role here is as the pastor of missions and evangelism, and we have some magnificent folks um, serving globally who, who serve people in, in profound ways. And one couple that I, that I love, some of my favorite people in the world, are John and Melissa Egger, and they serve in Tanzania and East Africa. And we're going to listen to their story about how they're, they're, ser- they're seeing people, serving people, and it leads to sharing the good news with people. So watch their story with me here. Well, good morning. Hey, John. Uh, good to see you again. I just wanted to ask you to, to introduce yourself and your family. Sure. Yeah, so I'm uh, Dr. John Ager, and my wife, Melissa, and I serve as missionaries in uh, Tanzania, East Africa, along with our uh, family. Our kids, are, uh, our oldest is in college, and our um, younger two are in high school and middle school. Yeah, and you guys have, have worked there for a number of years as a physician, been a family doc there in, mm-hmm. in a village. And I'd love for you to just um, share with, with me, with the congregation, about how serving people, meeting their physical needs there has led to uh, led the opportunities to share, uh, yeah. to showing Christ's love and then sharing Christ's love. Yeah. Um, I, serving as a doctor in rural Africa has uh, opened lots of opportunities to talk about spiritual matters. For example, I had a patient once who came in and uh, she was uh, asking for an abortion because she was nervous about um, her kids being too close together. She was nursing a baby, and she was afraid she wouldn't be able to feed her family if she had uh, the kids too close together. I had a chance to talk to her about God's love for her, His love for her unborn child, and how Jesus demonstrated that love on the cross by dying for our sins. And we had a chance to talk about how the church could help her through with food, through that situation, uh, and you know, just to pray with her and talk with her about, about the Lord. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And Melissa was able to use her gift of hospitality uh, in Tanzania by inviting a bunch of young women who wanted to learn more English uh, into our home. And she had a Bible study, and they would study the Bible in English. And then um, they would work through different questions about uh, words that they didn't understand. And that led to opportunities to talk about the passage and talk about what the, those words meant. Uh, in the context of the Bible, and I had a chance to share the gospel to that as well. Wonderful, yeah. And obviously, we're we're not in in Africa right now. You guys are are here on home assignment in yeah. the in the Hershey area here, standing across the street. But how does um how do you see that play out in in your life here in your lives here as you guys are are working and and serving here in the states before you go back? Yeah, I think um, coming back to the U.S. Obviously, we blend in a lot. Uh, uh, better out there, we're kind of known as missionaries because um, we stand out a little bit more, and we're not, you know, dressed like tourists. And so, being a Christian there, sometimes it can be easier to talk to people about the Lord. But here, I think just being intentional and um, being uh, watchful for those opportunities to reach out and just do kind things for people. 
whether it's you know chatting with somebody at the checkout or letting somebody else go first in line because they have fewer items or uh, helping an older lady get something down from the shelf. Even those those little acts of kindness, you know, you might have a chance to open up and say, "Well, God's been kind to me in Christ, and I want to pass that on to you." Uh, so I think the challenge is being intentional and looking for ways to to actually talk about Christ uh, in the midst of living and being kind to people. Yeah, I appreciate the way you guys have done that, both in Africa and and here in the States as you've you've served, which has given you great opportunities to share. So thanks very much. Yeah, thank you. So as you can see, uh, serving people can lead to sharing with people, sharing the good news with people. Now, it doesn't have to be as dramatic as as serving people in, in Africa as being a, a medical doctor in Africa or, or teaching uh, women, uh, the, the, teaching them English, uh, even though some of the things that John does are really, really remarkable, um, it can be as simple, he mentioned, uh, some of the simple acts of serving right here in, in people's lives so that they could um, understand the goodness and kindness of God. But you see how seeing people then leads to, to serving them, which then leads to sharing with people. Uh, the one passage I love about serving people is from 1 Peter uh, 2.12. And, and, and Peter, this church that he's writing to, is a, is a small, persecuted church. Um, they have a difficult time uh, with the authorities around them, with their their families. And, and so this is not a big, thriving, flourishing, majority world church. This is a small, persecuted church uh, that is being looked down on. And here's what Peter says to them. He says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Now, a couple of things I want to point out here. Uh, first is whenever Peter uses the word pagan, uh, it's not a, a negative, it's not an insult or anything to the, the people. They're just people who weren't uh, either Christians or Jewish. They were just of, of another faith, so they were lumped together as, as pagan. So first thing. Um, but another thing I wanted to point out is Peter says that he wants to live. He wants you to live among those people. He wants you to live such godly lives among those people, such good lives among them, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, uh, they will see your good deeds. So they're among the people. They're going to school with them. They're living in the same neighborhoods. They're working together. They're together with them. They're not uh, living separate lives. They may be distinct, but they're not separate. And then lastly, I want to point out that let your good deeds... Um, they'll see your good deeds and glorify God, live such good lives. Now, uh, there's a visibility to their good deeds. These aren't simply acts of personal piety or holiness. Those are are important things like reading your Bible and uh, spending time in prayer and uh, serving here at church and and maybe giving. Those, Those are important things, but they're not observable by and large, by people who are outside of the church, by people that, that are outside of the family of God. These are, these are not observable things and, and maybe not even considered good things by a lot of people. Uh, they may just be considered neutral at best. But, but Peter is saying these are incontrovertibly good things, things that you're doing um, that, that are so good that people would be like, wow, that is good, and that they would glorify God on the day he visits us. That doesn't mean that they'll be like, okay, um, because Dave 
is raking his neighbor's leaves or because John Egger is serving here in Africa, people will look at that and then automatically turn around and glorify God. No, it means that their lives would, uh, would build a bridge. Their lives would be a bridge across which the, the good news of the gospel could travel more easily. So that whenever John Egger uh, says to a woman who wants to have an abortion, like, um, I love you, God loves you, and loves your unborn child. We want to take care of your physical needs. We want, to, uh, we want our local church, our, this little church, this little struggling African church, to, to help you with food, to come alongside and, um, and make a difference. We want, uh, whenever someone comes and they've been literally bitten by a black mamba, some of the things that I read about in John's letters, um, or they, they're, they're, there's a past, there's, famine in the village and they need food. John, his wife, Melissa, their, their organization, they help to provide food. When someone has malaria or a compound fracture and they show up at his clinic, which is the only medical care for miles around, they help them. So they're ready to listen to the good news of the gospel. And similarly, in our lives, as we are able to, uh, to care for people, as we're able to serve them, as we're able to, to show them kindness and mercy, then our communication about the good news of the gospel, which, which we'll talk more about, where our sharing carries much more weight uh, with them, as Peter talks about here, that they'll see your good deeds and they'll be able to glorify God on the day he visits us. Now, friends, there's uh, one other video I want to show you, and this one um, is with some dear friends of mine, Frank and Diana Landis, and they've been part of the church for a long, long time, as you'll see. And I want you to hear how seeing and serving and sharing all fit together in their story here. Well, this is Frank and Diana Landis and Liz McCurdy, and uh, I just wanted to ask, uh, they had a wonderful story that I'd love to uh, have them share with us, but uh, like you guys were neighbors, love to tell you, tell us, tell the congregation how you got to know each other. Hi, we're Frank and Diana Landis, we're neighbors down here, and we'd like to get to meet you. That's basically how it started. Okay, just by being friendly. Yeah, and then being open when they needed a hand or something, and we were there to, to help. You know. Excellent. And Liz, from your perspective, how did you guys, what was your... Uh... Uh, same, same thing. I mean, he was, both of them were very open from the beginning. I remember before we even moved in, they wanted to meet us, and that was a really neat feeling because I was like, okay, good, at least we know we're moving by people that are nice and want to know us and I think approve of us. So that's, it was a nice feeling. And then um, I think it was right that weekend when we had moved, we didn't have electric. And I remember you had us down for dinner and brought other neighbors over. And it was just honestly so nice because it was such a long, crazy day moving and then no electric. And it was just nice that you just immediately welcomed us and we started off on a good on a good note. <laughs> it was all uphill from there. <laughs> and at some point, you guys uh, invited Liz over and started reading the Bible, studying the Bible together. Um, tell me about that. What did you guys study together? We used the Gospel of John, and knowing that we want everybody to know the joy and peace that the Holy Spirit fills us with, and without knowing who Jesus Christ is, and what he was all about and what he is all about, we decided to use the Gospel of John to explain that who the Father is and who the Son is 
and the Holy Spirit, you know, he's he's a teacher. He really is. And Liz, what was going on in your life at the time that you guys started getting to each other? Um, well, at that point, I was having a really difficult time um, in my marriage, and that was something that helped me kind of get the strength to get through the week, and it really helped me not, you know, I wasn't necessarily opposed to Christianity, but I didn't know much of anything about it. So learning who Jesus was was really helpful for me to understand it. And, and seeing you guys as a role model and like living out Christianity was very helpful for me to want to learn more. At some point, you place your trust in Christ. Yeah. We baptized you over there <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this summer earlier, and uh, Frank did. That was wonderful. And uh, so, how, what difference has it made? Uh, in your life getting to know Jesus? It made a huge difference, actually, in so many ways. It made me, and it's still making me, open up more and learn to really love more and to, to love everyone and separate what they do from who they are so I can still love people but not necessarily like what they do. So I would say it gave me a lot of boundaries. Like I was telling you guys, I used to see everything kind of gray and I would try to be so open and understanding. It was just like, no, what that's that's not right. That's that's wrong. That's right. And it made me, you know, change my perspective on life in a lot of ways. And it really gave me a lot more peace because when I am dealing with difficult times, I go to the Bible to try to find answers and figure out what I should do and pray about it. And it's working out a lot better than, than my own ways because I was very, very lost, I feel like. so. And I know you've uh, joined us on the Alpha course. That's yeah. been a lot of fun having you on the Alpha <laughs> course. But Frank and Diana, you guys have been part of the church for a long time. won't say how long, but quite a number of years. <laughs> Diana and I worked together for a long time. But uh, what would you say to the congregation? Just we're in a series on building bridges and seeing and serving and sharing the good news with people. So uh, what would you say to people First thing, if you want to build a relationship with someone you don't even know, maybe you see them, but you know where they live, but you don't know who they are or what they're about, begin praying for them, number one. I think that's where everything starts. When you care enough about your neighbor, you begin to pray for them, then the Lord will lead you into friendship making. And allow time for a friendship to develop. They have to trust you. They have to know they can depend on you. And that's what makes it easy for them to become a friend. So number one, pray for them. Give them, allow the time your friendship to develop. And if they want advice, wait till they ask for it. <laughs> and, and that way you won't be putting them in a, in a hole, so to speak. You know, God gave you neighbors, friends so you can be a minister to them and be a blessing to them it's not what you can get out of them but it's what you can allow them to know who jesus christ is and, and be an example you guys have done a, done a great job of that of, of serving and of sharing and, and i appreciate it so thanks for sharing your story with us hey you're welcome <laughs> So you see from Frank and Diana's story and Liz's story there um, that they had the opportunity to, to just be great neighbors, to love their neighbor as they loved themselves. As they saw Liz, as they began to serve her, uh, they, they had the opportunity to, to share with her. There was um, a natural progression, and I've gotten to know Liz on the Alpha Course, as I mentioned, and, and, and through our baptism classes, and she can't speak highly enough about the influence that, that Frank and Diana have had on her life and just caring for her and loving her. 
and, and, and sharing the good news with her. And I want you to understand that it is not an imposition on someone to, to share good news with them. It is not a, uh, it's not presumptuous on your part to share good news. It's not as if we're, um, again, building up our tribe or we're trying to sell them something. We're sharing good news with someone. And that, that is not, um, that is not an imposition on them. I want you to look at one last passage with me. And this is the Apostle Paul sharing. He says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still, still living, though some have fallen asleep. So there is, there is content to the, good, to the gospel. Gospel just means good news, right? You, if you've been around church for any length of time, you've heard that expression, good news. Now, um, in, in the time of the, the writing of the New Testament, the word gospel was a, was a pretty common word. A town crier or a herald could come around and say, hey, good news, good news. The Persians have been defeated. There's no longer a threat that we're going to be overrun. Uh, the plague has ended. Good news, good news. Or there's a new Caesar, and he's just, and he's righteous. Whether he was or not, uh, we don't know. But, um, but that's good news. They would come, and they would pro- proclaim this good news. And so when the Apostle Paul says, I pass this on to you of first importance, the gospel is this, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and he appeared to people that this is good news for us to share. And um, I want you to know, one, one author has said that the gospel is not good advice. It's not good advice. It's good news. And good news, there's not a, um, a sense where we have to be uh, reticent or reluctant to share good news with people. If uh, a vaccine for this awful COVID virus is discovered tomorrow and they're, they're down at Giant or over at Weiss, they're, they're doing vaccines, I, I want to tell people about that, right? And here is a far more, far deeper problem. It's our sin problem that has separated us eternally from God. And God has made a way to bridge that gap. And he's let us be little bridge builders, little bridges to, to that big bridge of the good news of Jesus Christ. And just like Frank and Diana had the chance to share from the gospel of John with Liz on an ongoing basis, and she saw a transformation in her life by that good news, we are invited into that to share good news with people. And again, friends, that's not some imposition to share good news. Um, and, and it's honestly, it's just a simple extension of serving people. When we say seeing, serving, and sharing, what better way can you serve a person than to tell them the best news ever, the, the, the best news about what God has done about our state as those who had been separated from, from him? And to share that good news is not, a, uh, it's not like a three-step process. It's all one process of seeing people as deeply loved by God, uh, serving them as those who, who God cares about deeply, and then sharing with them in a way that uh, extends that service to not just to their body, but to their, their eternal life. And uh, so uh, we didn't want this to just uh, be esoteric. We wanted to, to take this Sunday and give you some, some really concrete steps, how we could begin, how we could continue in this process of seeing and serving and sharing. And so a couple of things I want to point out that we have um, laid out for you guys. 
is um, on this, on hfcinfo.com, bridge building, you'll find a, a PDF, a flyer there that, that gives you some specific opportunities to, to engage in seeing. And uh, George mentioned earlier, and Laura Jean mentioned uh, in her video, something called blesseveryhome.com. That one is, uh, is a great opportunity for you to jump in and begin to pray for your neighbors. Sign up, begin to um, uh, connect with them through just through prayer. It will give you resources every week, every day to, to to pray for them. So we encourage you that it will help you to see your neighbors differently. In terms of serving, <clears throat> excuse me, we've had um, a great opportunity to get to know some of the people in our local schools. If you're familiar with what's going on in local schools these days, you know this is a very, very difficult time to be a school teacher. And being in contact with some of the principals and teachers in our local schools, they've said this is uh, one of the things they could use uh, for schools is both prayer and encouragement. So you will find packets if you're um, if you're able to, to come up to the church on Monday or Tuesday out on a, a cart in the green lobby, we'll have these packets, and they have five cards in them, one each for Downey Elementary School, for Lower Dauphin Schools, Derry Township, Palmyra, and Milton Hershey Schools. So you can pick up a card, uh, write an encouraging note to a teacher, and um, and then drop it back off here, and we'll deliver those to the schools with some with some other treats and things. We also have some sidewalk chalk that you could pick up and use to uh, just write interest, fun notes or verses, be still and know that I'm God on your sidewalk or on your, your driveway. Um, and we, lastly, we have a, um, an opportunity in terms of uh, serving. You can read a book. You can find out more about this on, uh, on hfcinfo.com, but you can read a book, record yourself reading a book for uh, kids at Downey Elementary, your favorite children's book. Um, and uh, there are some instructions about that on there. And then in terms of sharing, look, as I said, it is no imposition to share good news with people. It is, it is not um, us being heavy-handed or, uh, or talking down to people. When we share our story with people, I, I would just like to encourage you to, to take an opportunity either on social media, maybe sit down and write an old-school letter to pick up the phone and call someone and, uh, and let them know a way that God has, uh, it, it may be that you take the initiative to do it, or it may come up naturally in a conversation with one of your neighbors across the fence that, um, that you just share, hey, here is something that's been really difficult in my life, and here is how my relationship with Jesus, my relationship with God is giving me peace, how he's giving me joy, how he's giving me hope. It doesn't mean everything's better. It doesn't mean everything's perfect, but you have a chance to share your story and look for opportunities to share more of that story because it is good news. It is indeed good news. Lastly, I want to invite you to, to sign up for, we've made a commitment, so we have this commitment card that you can sign up for on hfcinfo.com. You'll find this is our bridge building card, um, and we'll send you updates. We'll send you some resources. If you'd like to be committed over the next year to being a bridge builder, I encourage you to sign up there. We'd love to, uh, to all be working together. Well over 100 people have already signed up for that, and we're looking for, for many, many more. So lastly, just want to close with saying thanks for being with us today. Um, to reinforce it is not an imposition to, to share good news with people, and that as we see people, as we serve them, God will give us opportunities, and we need to take them to share the good news with people.